You are now listening to the Living Numbers Podcast. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, and I am your host, Tony Rambles. And I'm back with episode 28. And before we get into the episode, first we got to do some housekeeping. Make sure you hit a like if you're watching this on YouTube. Throw a little comment down there. Share it. If you are listening to this on Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, wherever you're listening to, make sure you go ahead and... uh, Share, follow, subscribe. You know, we got to keep this thing going. Episode 28, and I'm so thankful and grateful for all of you out there who support me. Because, you know, who am I? You know, I'm just Joe Schmo giving his opinion on stuff. And trying to help people, you know, as they listen. I can give some insight from my perspective and where I come from. So... With that out the way, I'm your host, Tony Rambles. This is the Living Numbers Podcast. And our first number is 36. And that's 36 project ideas. So I gave my students an assignment. Uh, As you all know, I am a teacher. I teach speech class or professional communications as it has been dubbed. And... I did an assignment, a project, and it turned out pretty crappy. Okay, put this thing together. I thought I had something good. And from the teacher's perspective, sometimes you feel like you put something together and it's going to be awesome. And it's just not. Total failure. So I asked my kids, and I teach high school, 9, 10, 11, 12, mixed bag every class period. I asked my kids, or you know what, a student said, like, uh, teacher, if we could do something that was a little bit more fun, maybe a little bit more uh, something we wanted to do, I think you would get better results. So I go, hmm, now this is a student that I trust. I trust the student's opinion. When they say stuff, I know it's not haphazard. Smart kid. Shout out to you. So I go, okay, let's come up with something different. I'm going to give you all a chance to redeem yourselves. So what I did was I had each group in my class. So usually classes are maybe seven, eight groups, six at the lowest, six groups, uh, maybe four or five, six to eight groups, four or five. So I'm like, okay, each group comes up with an idea, a project idea, speech idea. Okay, let's see what y'all come up with. And then we'll take a vote. So now y'all can't blame me if the grades are low because of the quote unquote idea for the project. So I give my kids some creative freedom. Of course, I always preface it with, Of course, it has to be appropriate for school. 
you know, we can't just do anything that we want. But, you know, we'll we'll see what y'all come up with. And then we'll have a little vote. Then whichever project wins, that's the one we'll do for each class period. So we do it and it works. Yes, it works. So each class came up with something a little bit different for the most part. And now as we're going through these presentations and stuff, I'm seeing much better results for the most part. Now, you still have some kids who don't want to speak in front of people. It doesn't really matter what they have to speak about. You have some people who are just, that's not their wheelhouse. My goal is to help them get better, whatever that better may look like. If it's taking you from a 65 to a 72, and that's the most that we can do and get to, then, you know, mission accomplished. Some kids are going from 90 to 95. You know, some kids are going from 60 to 80. You know, just I'm trying to help them get better. So I tell the story to say that oftentimes good things can come out of real raggedy situations, right? We started off with this project that I thought was good and it wasn't. So instead of me getting down on myself or I would say just being upset about it, I just make the switch, the pivot. That's the word that's been used quite often for many things. But I had to, I had to change my mindset. And I had to uh, change the situation. Right, the river is still flowing, but now we got to make it go in a different direction if we can. And we did that. Yep, we did it. We did it. We did it. So, from this bomb of a project where kids were just scoring terribly came this great idea where I could give the kids more creative freedom, right? And give them more control of the class. Cause I felt like now it just worked much better cause they felt included. Yeah. So my teachers out there, you know, at least help them to, to feel included, even if you're not making them included. That's a little, helpful hand out there for for my bosses out there people who are running businesses got companies got people working under them my teachers in the classroom okay people want to feel included like what they say matters so i wanted to tell that story to give you all that lesson because it could work in any facet because there's always going to be ups and downs no matter what you're doing there's always going to be ups and downs so take those downs and just ask yourself okay how can we make the situation better or I did not get the results that I was looking for okay how can I take this down and now swing it up like a pendulum to go get those results that that we need you know for our company or for our, our classroom so there you go open with a bang number two 35 media and that is Kevin Durant's production company 35 media that's going to be our second number of the episode of course it is your host tony rambles on the living numbers podcast you can follow me on ig at underscore tony rambles underscore post pictures of my life my family you know i'll put snippets of our videos so 35 media kevin durant and charles barkley have had a um contentious 
at least from the outside, it looked like they've had a contentious relationship, right? Kevin Durant is a super megastar in the NBA. Charles Barkley was a super megastar, but now he is still a superstar, but in a different capacity. He's working, he's working TV, right? He's an NBA analyst. So him and Kevin Durant had this interview. And I think it was kind of to a little bit to bury the hatchet, right? To let everyone know we are not enemies. But Kevin Durant started to talk about his media company. And I was like, doesn't LeBron have a media company? And doesn't Steph Curry have a media company? So I just kind of started to bat these things around in my head. And I came to the conclusion that there's an outlet for everyone to make what they want to make. Because somebody could have easily said, aren't there a million podcasts out there? Why is Tony Rambo starting a podcast of his own? Who is he? And I would tell that person, I wanted to make something that I wanted to make. Right? Something that is exclusive to me and my thoughts and my personality and my vision. Right? So... You can take that and go into any any avenue, right? We all got to wear clothes, right, to make this plain. But each person wants to have their own style, right? I want to dress how I want to dress. You know me, I got the Detroit hat on. Most of the time, nine times out of ten, I have a collar on. You know, it's it's the style that I came up with for my show. You know, I always got my wedding ring on in the watch. I don't know if y'all ever noticed that. And as you all know, I got the guitars in the background. I I, I still play a little bit. I, I don't play as much as I want to, though. Life's just busy. You know, and maybe I'll find time for it. Maybe I won't. But you know what I do have to find time for? The next episode of the Living Numbers podcast. You know, I got to keep it coming for y'all. Even if it's a little bit few further in between, right? I was pushing these things out. Every week, but you know, since my son was born, now we got basketball season. You know, it's uh it's a busy life. And I'm not mad at it. Hey, I'm thankful. I thank God for the life that I have. So, but there's an outlet, there's room for everyone. Because, like, I don't listen to everything, right? But just because I don't listen to it, that doesn't mean an artist would stop putting out music. Right. So Kevin Durant is putting out the kind of content he wants to make, you know, with the ballroom and his other ventures. Uh, LeBron has a spring hill. They're putting out the kind of content they want to make. Steph Curry is putting out the kind of content that he wants to make. So for the people out there who is looking to get into a space that is, I guess, kind of crowded. Right. If it's a passion for you, just go after it and make the thing that you want to make. Be creative. Take it however far you want to take it. If it's in your heart, then, you know, make something special. So flipping from from media as far as like production and making uh, movies, we're going to switch to a different kind of media, and that is music. Now, the people who know me well know that I am huge, 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 huge into music. I listen to a lot of music, a lot of different kind of music. Uh, Snarky Puppy is like one of my favorite things to listen to. It's a band. Uh, 
I've seen them live in concert. I listen to a lot of gospel music. I love like 70s, 80s rock music. Earth, Wind & Fire is one of my favorite groups of all time. And I feel like Eminem is the best rapper ever. So, hey, it is what it is. I know a lot of people are not going to agree with those sentiments, but we'll go from one rapper to another. And my number here is 11 studio albums and seven movies. Now, this person made five albums while they were alive. And then six albums came out after they passed away. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Do you know who it is? I'll give you a second. Tupac, Tupac, Tupac. So I'll be the first to say, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to hate this. I'm not the biggest Tupac fan. As far as his move is his music is concerned. Not the biggest fan of his music. I'm not really into the, the 90s gangster rap, West Coast kind of thing. Although I do respect Tupac's music because of his versatility. Like he can give you a lot of different kinds of music. As I also seen while I was researching for this topic. So Tupac was very... Uh, a very emotional person and that went into his music which I can respect he wasn't just putting out stuff just to put it out just to sound like this person or that person or just to have the the style that's the west coast style or the east coast style he was putting out music that was what he saw and what he felt and what he wanted to speak on and so I got to this topic because I was watching this, the E interview, and it was only like five minutes. And I just thought about, even though I'm not the biggest fan of his music, uh, I love him in Juice. I mean, I just, that is a great movie. And I like to just kind of listen to him speak. He's very intelligent, and he just really had a, a caring heart. He really cared about people. Now, you might go, well, he may hit him up and, you know, he always talked about gang violence and shooting people and all that kind of stuff. But in these interviews, he's just like many other people who talk about these things. They're like, well, I'm just talking about what's going on around me. Like, I have to I have to be an ambassador for my people. He said that over and over. And I could see a big change from the interviews when before he got shot in New York. And after he got shot and he was on the death row and he was coming back out and he was coming at people's necks. And he was talking about respect, talking about feeding his family. And in one interview, he said, I never thought I would get, you know, get touched by a black person because I'm the ambassador for my community. I talk about what we go through. Uh, I'm all about uplifting black people. And in my songs, I just talk about our trials and how we can get better. He was like, I never thought that some black people would try to kill me. And he was like, I was wrong. I was wrong. So I also read like a couple of, I guess you would call it like descriptions of some of his albums. And there was a list that ranked them from five to one, right? His best five albums. 
And it just talked about like his transitions from one stage in life to the next stage in life. And it had All Eyes on Me as his best album. But it also talked about Me Against the World and how he was just really talking from an introspective lens and what he was really feeling at the time. Now, I don't remember all of the songs that are on these albums because remember, I don't really listen to Pac like that. I actually thought about going back to listen to some of this stuff. It might be a little vulgar or a little raunchy for me. I don't really like listening to stuff with cussing in it. But it just talked about his transitions. And so on All Eyes On Me, which people say is like one of the best albums of all time, he had just got out of jail. He was really coming after people. He was really out for revenge on that album. He was like, I'm coming for everybody because y'all don't respect me. Y'all treated me bad. Y'all got, y'all got me set up and shot. Like, okay. Bet, bet, okay. You know, I want somebody mad, but they're not about to say nothing right away. Go, all right, all right, okay, cool. Nope, don't even worry, don't even worry about it. Bet, all right, bet, bet. No, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. That was him in jail, and then when he came out with All Eyes on Me, he dropped the gauntlet. He was like, here we go, here it is. So, Definitely much respect for Tupac. I love him in as an actor as well. But I, I just left that interview just like, man, I like hearing this guy talk. Especially before he was set up. Because he really talked about his community and uplifting his people and just what he saw. He talked about, like, if this guy has $32 million, but you got people sleeping on the street, like, that don't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense. So you could tell he really had a heart for for people, at least in his interviews, before he flipped and started getting after people. So when I when I put that part together, right, I was also thinking of who are some people that I don't really like to listen to. Like every time they talk, I'm like, uh as I was scrolling on the internet and I was looking up stuff, because I always bring up different articles, what would be fun to talk about, what wouldn't. There's two people that really came across my mind. One of them is LL Cool J. I feel like he's just trying to be cool with everything that he says. And I guess it's fitting because of his name. But it just comes across to me as like kind of annoying. Like, uh, okay, can you just put that... Put the LL Cool J down, you know, for a second and just talk like a regular person. But it's always like he's trying to sell you something. I'm, I would do an impression, but I, I can't. I don't have an LL Cool J impression. Maybe I'll come up with one. But that was one. And then the other person. Now, some people really like this person. He has a lot of views and stuff and blah, blah, blah. I don't really care about that. Will Smith. Now... He has a lot of great, great, great movies. Clearly, he's talented. I mean, he did the rapping thing. He's a great actor, blah, 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 right? But when he talks, like, he does these things, like, on Facebook and YouTube. And, hey, who am I? Like, Will Smith is, we all know who he is. I'm just a guy upstairs, you know, in his makeshift studio talking about stuff that he likes and doesn't like. 
But when I listen to Will Smith, I'm like, dude, like, what are you talking about? It's like he's trying to be this philosopher, this coming with this wisdom from all different places. And it's like, right, like, just keep it simple. Like, what do you, he just over talks. He over talks. I'm like, ah, ah, stop it. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Like, it's not that deep. So I don't know. I guess I just came up with those after talking about Tupac and how much I like to hear him talk. Like, hmm, who are some guys that I don't really like to hear talk? Now, of course, there are other people, but those are the first guys that really came to mind. So, these people are a part of our culture. Right? I talked about music. I talked about media. And these three people, Tupac, Will Smith, you know, Kevin Durant, Charles, Charles Barkley, all of these people are ingrained in our culture. So, I came across a topic that I am dealing with currently and it's how to go from like a losing culture to a winning culture how do you turn that around because that it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of stick-to-itiveness takes a lot of perseverance not only from the person at the top trying to change it but also the people that that person is leading right because eventually they have to to see it and experience it for the culture to actually start to turn around and shift and begin to become a winning culture. So I found this article and our number here is going to be 13 because it was 13 facts about changing a losing culture into a winning one. So I'll go through them. Number one, changing the losing culture. Oh, wait, let me tell you the article. It was 13 facts about changing a losing culture into a winning one. And they were interviewing uh, Matt Campbell, who is the head coach of the Iowa State football team. And this is on Brian Dodd leadership website. You can go check that out whenever you get a chance. Number one is changing a losing culture into a winning one is going to be hard. <laughs> Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of rough water. There is going to be some people who buck the system. They're going to have to start over. You're cleaning up a lot of stuff because a losing culture has some things that are obviously wrong that need to be taken out. Number two, changing a losing culture into a winning one is all about developing relationships. 100%. I am a huge relationship developer. No matter where I go, no matter what arena I'm in, I really feel like that's one of my strong suits because I feel like it's important. Just That's just part of my makeup. 100%. From the first person all the way down to the last person, the person at the top all the way down to the person at the bottom. Each relationship is important and brings different, uh, different, a different kind of help to the organization. Okay, number three, you must have trusted and talented people around you to change a losing culture into a winning one. You can't do it by yourself. You got to have other people who believe in the vision and believe in the culture that you're trying to bring in order to help you because you're not going to be able to be around all the time. So you got to have other people who can continue to voice those things and give life to the things that you're trying to bring into 
that place to make it a winning culture and not a losing one. Number four, go follow me on Instagram at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. <laughs> Subscribe on YouTube. Follow me wherever you are. Like, subscribe, download, share. Come on. You know, that was that was good. That was good. I got that one in there. Okay, actually, number four. Changing a losing culture into a winning one often requires immediate changes. Immediate. Some things have to be cut off right away, no matter what. No matter what the blowback may be, no matter how many people you may make upset, something's got to be changed right now. And this quote here says, when Coach Campbell and his staff came in, they immediately changed the culture from day one. You can't let it kind of hang around. Some things are going to have to change right away. Straight up, off top, off rip. They got to go. Some things take a little bit longer. Okay. Number five. Changing a losing culture into a winning one requires high standards. 100%. If you let people slide all the time, you're still going to be losers. Okay. There has to be some standard for people to live up to. Number six, changing a losing culture into a winning one requires increased accountability. This goes with number five. If something is happening, people have to be, unfortunately, and fortunately, pulled, up, pulled to the carpet. Dragged to the carpet? Is that the right reference? Is that how you say it? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's right. Right? We got to be called out. We all got to be called out at some point for our BS. Myself included. People got to be held accountable. One way or another. Number seven. It requires increased attention to details. I like to say that the small things are not really small things. Because people always talk about this, it's the small things that matter. And I go, well, if they matter so much, are they small things or are they actually big things? Huh? Think about that one. Every detail matters. Every detail matters. Every detail matters. So you got to make sure that, especially in the beginning, that you don't skimp on the details. That you go, no, 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 no. Start it over. This little thing was wrong. And it's not a little thing. That's why we're starting over. All right, number eight. You must have a series of wins to change a losing culture into a winning one. If they see you and your leadership doing things differently but it doesn't amount to production or quote-unquote wins people are going to have a hard time buying in right we got to see some good results hopefully relatively quickly right some small wins that will equal about to some big wins right we got to see that this stuff works i like this one you must be continually developing talent. That is number nine, right? Because oftentimes people grow and then they move on, right? Whether you're at a school, whether you're teaching or as a football player, basketball player, a musician, right? You go to a place, you grow and you get promoted or you move on. You go to the next thing. So those people at the top have to continuously develop talent 
at the bottom to rise up when those top people leave. You see it at Alabama all the time. They get five stars every year. More and more five stars coming to the program so that when those juniors and seniors leave, guess what? We got another five star. And behind that person, we got another five star. That's called recruiting. So you see it at those top level programs where they continue to cycle through great talent and develop that great talent to be the best that they could possibly be. Number 10, you must be willing to continually change. Things change all the time. I could use Alabama football team again. They used to play one way and now they play a totally different way because times have changed. Okay, teaching used to be paper, pencil all the time. It used to be construction paper and, you know, markers. And But now if you are not utilizing technology, you are behind. You just are. Now, not everything has to be techno technology, but you should be evolving in that realm. If you're doing stuff the same way you did it five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you're behind. And you're losing out on some of that development for the people that you are uh, you know, building up in your culture. Number 11. Changing a losing culture into a winning one requires humility. I talked about this a little bit on the front end where I talked about I created a project for my kids and it was a total flop. It was a bomb. I had to be on by to tell the kids, hey. We tried this. I tried this. It did not work. So how can we make things better here? Now, if you got to do that a lot, if you're making a lot of mistakes and you always apologizing, maybe you're not the right person for the job. But that requires humility on both the quote unquote coaches or the leaders part, as well as the people who are being developed. Because they have to be able to say, OK, I'm not good in this area. I'm not good in this area. I need to be coached. I want to be coached. That requires humility, taking some what? Accountability, understanding where you are. The quote here says, uh, but to have the humility to just have those conversations from coach to player or player to coach. That's what the humility is part that they're talking about. Number 12, and we got one more after this. Unity. We got to play as a team. We got to all be on the same page. We got to all go in the same direction. Because if you have one, if you have one person pulling in a different direction, it can be a cancer to your workplace or to your locker room. And that can drag the next person and then the next person. Especially if that one person is a leader, right? That's all you need is one person to buck the system. And now everybody want to buck the system. No, we got to have unity. And if you have someone that is not going to be a part of that culture and is not on board, they got to go. Bye. Hit the road, Jack. Get out of here. Because you're going to drag, you're going to undermine what we're doing here. And that's not what we need. It's just not. Okay, last one. Number 13, changing a losing culture into a winning one is all about the ability to do the little things well. What did I say about the little things? 
The little things are actually big things. We need to stop calling them little things. Maybe we should come up with a different word for that. The details. Let's just say the details. There's a saying about the details that I don't really like. I'll say uh, the promise is in the details. There we go. I'll read this quote here. It says, Coach Campbell concluded, yes, we've gotten maybe older and our talent has been able to develop, but I think to become the best version of ourselves, the best team that we can become, the difference is in the details. The difference is in our ability to do the little things, to be disciplined enough to never skimp on the details, to be disciplined enough to make sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. So that concludes the article, the 13 things, 13 facts about changing a losing culture into a winning one. I really enjoyed that article. I liked it. I liked it a lot. For our last number. And this is a tragic story. We have November 18th, 1978, the Jonestown Massacre happened. Now, if you are not familiar, a reverend by the name of Jim Jones was the leader of the People's Temple. And over a period of time and paranoia, he moved them all to what is what was called Jonestown, Guyana, which is in South America. So he led these people to either commit suicide or depending on what some people have written, he murdered them. 918 people died under Jim Jones' leadership. So this is uh, just a time to uh, reflect and remember these things because you just never know. Like there is an article written in the Rolling Stone about the the survivors uh, from people in different perspectives, people who were uh, captors there, people who worked with Jones there. So I would uh, urge you all to go and do some research, go do some reading. The Rolling Stones article is pretty short. There are other things out there. I'm pretty sure there's stuff on YouTube that you can watch. But on this day, uh, November 18th, 1978, these things happened. And it just goes to show you how crazy, honestly, how crazy life can be uh, where you trust people and they just do the wrong things, right? We've seen it with Tupac earlier on where his partner set him up and got him shot as far as he's concerned or as far as he believed. And these people thought this reverend was leading into a, a different kind of life that was better. And he ended up, you know, killing people. 918 to be exact. So that's going to be our last number. That's our today in history. Uh, Hopefully, you know, enjoyed the episode. If you did, leave a like, 
share, subscribe, download. Go ahead and uh, show this to someone that you think would enjoy it. This is your host, Tony Rambles. Go follow me on Instagram at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. You can email the show. The number one, Tony Rambles at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow me on just subscribe on YouTube. You can follow, subscribe, and like on Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Anchor, all of those different platforms. Without further ado, this is your host, Tony Rambles. And I will see you all in the next one.